0: Hello and welcome to The Flex. Matt St. Jean here with Joe Auey as always to bring you the best Friars coverage out there. This is a tough one, Joe. Friars lose 89-84 to in what may be the most hyped game in program history. Tough loss to swallow. I know you were there. I want to talk about the crowd, but first it's the next day. How are you feeling at this point now that you've had some time to digest?
1: Um, I mean, I'm definitely, you know, it, it's a soul crushing loss. Uh, I think especially for the fans that were there. I know when you're uh, the coach, when you're at Cooley, when you're one of the players, you know, you kind of, you have to treat it like a business trip, you know, you just got to move on to Butler cause you can't spend too much time dwelling on it. Um, from a fan's perspective from someone who was in the building who was loud and cheering in the pink and, and being a part of that environment, it's soul crushing. You know, the students, the student section was lined up outside at three 30. They were in the building by four, four hours before tip, they got there. Um, A lot of them skipped class. They were day drinking on Eaton street. You know, It, it was Matt, like you said, the most highly anticipated game, I think in the history of Providence basketball, um, And to come out and give up 89 points in your home building that you were originally undefeated on um, and let Colin Gillespie have a career night on your court. It's it's like a shot below the belt. Um, Definitely, you know, going to take a few days to get over it, but it's a soul crushing loss for the for the Providence fan base, at least.
0: And this is one, I mean, it was right from the get-go. You could tell Villanova came to play. I don't, I don't think there's any way you could talk about this game without heaping praise on Jay Wright and that team because that was as intimidating environment as Villanova has ever had to play in. And, right, I mean, from the jump, they were ready. So props there, very first possession, kind of gave you the story of the game. Friars get stopped and defense go down the other end Villanova gets that high Screen high ball screen with, with Justin Moore first shot of the game for Villanova They get an open three knocks it down nothing but nap. you could tell but in the confidence in that shot that Villanova was ready to go that they were there and there Was a couple factors there one that high, high ball screen We could talk all day about how the Friars failed to defend it for 40 minutes Killed or, us. Yeah They got the early three and played with the lead. I got I got some numbers here for you Joe because this boggled my mind I had to go through I did this manually counting 40 minutes in a basketball game Over half of it 20 minutes and 41 seconds was spent The game was either tied or within three points. So within a basket That's how tight the game was and there was barely more than two minutes spent where the game was a three possession game, seven points or more. The entire game kind of lived. It, despite that, though, Villanova led for 95% of it. The Friars led for about a minute of the game. And that's really how it was. Providence was stuck in this purgatory of being one or two baskets behind from that Justin Moore shot.
1: Wow. I mean,. <clears throat> Um, when you put it like that, it, it it really, you know, throws some some added volume to how close that game was, because from the naked eye, you could tell and, and you could feel even watching on TV the closeness of the game. But that provides an extra layer to it, Matt. Um, and you're right. You know, I I don't think the offense for Providence was the issue last night. I mean, if you score 84 points on any other night, you're going to you're more than likely going to win the game. The issue was the uncharacteristic defensive breakdowns that we saw across the first and the second half. Um, I mean, really, Justin Moore had 17 first-half points. Obviously, Mania picked up two quick fouls because he he was breathing in the direction of a Villanova player, so that warrants a whistle. So Mania was sidelined early in the first half, but you saw Minaya with his one-on-one matchup of Justin Moore in the second half held him to just two points. Enter Colin Gillespie we don't have the manpower for Manaya to guard both of them so you know our backcourt defensively was a liability last night
0: it wasn't it was tough you could tell Dur- Durham had a rough even though Durham f- finished in double figures he, he finished the game really strong he was rough for the first 30 minutes of the game he couldn't score none of his shots were falling and I think I mean I'm not gonna blame the offense for the loss but the team shot five of 23 from deep and for the most part it's not like they were they had bad looks out there a couple of them were but not a whole lot of ill-advised shots durham got open looks from deep oh for five and those things were it's like all right when you're down a basket the entire game you either need one stop or one extra basket in that span and you kind of had that feeling all right things are going to go differently that's what's going to get us over the hump and Yeah. There was there was only one period in the game where they got that stop and that was about ten minutes left in the the game. They tied it up finally at sixty four, immediately down the other end, a three pointer. I think that was Justin Moore. Yep. And And yeah. It just it sucked the air out of the building, at least on TV. I don't know how it was there.
1: Uh, it, it totally did, Matt. Um, and the crowd, uh, someone tweeted, uh, I don't even know who to credit. The, the crowd was begging for a reason to explode. We were begging. Um, and I think the players sensed that. And, you know, I think there was one three. And listen, this isn't to knock him because I think Jared Bynum has totally earned the right to pull three pointers at this point in the season. He's totally earned that right there was one where he pulled it in transition and I just thought it wasn't the best time shot and it resulted in a turnover. And as we saw all night, Providence really struggled to get stops on the defensive end. So w- when you're struggling defensively, I think shot selection is so important. Um, mm-hmm. Especially like you said, Matt, you know, this is the, the, this is the end. The entire game is we're trailing by one or two possessions tops. And when you have such a useful and Nate Watson down in the paint. Um, and he's obviously having his way with with Eric Dixon. You, you, you sometimes question the shot selection, especially from deep. You know, when the three-pointers aren't falling, why not draw up something for the big guy to eat? But, you know, again, the offense wasn't the problem. I, I just think, you know, maybe a little bit smarter with play calling and, and shot selection.
0: Yeah, And you go to the, the final sequence of the game, those last two minutes, before Gillespie hit his dagger three, the Friar scored on four straight possessions. The problem was Villanova got to the line twice in that span. You had the press with Eric Dixon getting behind it, which Ed Cooley said after the game, he thinks that's he blamed himself for. It. He said he was trying to get the crowd into the game and get a press going. And he said, that's why we lost. I, that was on me. Just Croswell loses Eric Dixon behind the press. Full court pass, Which, By the way, that's one hell of a pass. Like we could talk about the defense messing up or anything like that, but it's still difficult to throw a basketball that far and that accurately. So a great play there, and he, I think he, I think he got to the free throw line on that, and Croswell fouled out, and and the Friars were still hanging with it. They were answering until that Gillespie three, which once again off of a high ball screen. Yep. I put together a thread on Twitter. You can go take a look. The first basket of the game for Villanova, high ball screen. You have Reeves go under it, leaves too much space at the top, open three for more. Then uh, about five minutes left, four minutes left, something like that in the first half Villanova took the lead for good, mind you. They wouldn't trail again after this point. It would be tied, but they would not trail again after this point. It was a Justin Moore three off the high ball screen, and this time the Friars defended it differently. They had Alan Breed instead of A.J. Reeves, and he came over the top of the screen, and then for whatever reason, he switched with Watson and stayed on the screener. No idea why you would do that in that scenario. And left a wide-open three. And then Gillespie at the end. I don't know. It's I don't know if you've seen anything on this. I don't know if that was Reeves or Horkler's fault at the end. Reeves thought that they were switching it, and Horkler thought that they weren't. Either way, both of them dropped and gave Gillespie all the space in the world.
1: I I, I think that's just a, a miscommunication. Um, and you're right, Matt. Villanova's bread and butter for smoking us last night was high ball screens and. If you look back at that Fairfield game and you look back and you re-listen to the Fairfield post-game, this is something that we talked about is switching on ball screens. It was a real issue for us early in the season. And, you know, you've seen it pop its head up here and there, but it really hasn't – teams haven't really run it too often. Um, you and I – we stopped commenting on it, but it was definitely something that's been prevalent throughout the entirety of the season. And last night, you know, Villanova put it on full display. That just goes to show, like uh, – if you mess up up on a high ball screen against DePaul, DePaul doesn't have the offensive efficiency to make you pay for it. Villanova does. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it just shows the level of competition. Sometimes you can get away with miscues on defense and you come out with maybe like a scratch or a little bump. Again, depending who you're playing against, against the wrong team, forget it. You come out dead. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and that's it's one of those things, it it in some ways makes me optimistic about the rematch with Nova because in a lot of ways, the story of the game is that one thing. And because of that, if you can fix that one thing, you can change a lot about the outcome of the game. But it's obviously not an easy thing. And if you're able to fix that, if you're able to stop the the ball screens it's going to open up other things so you got to find ways to slow that down I also thought it was interesting I mean for as bad as that was Villanova got looks in other ways too I thought Noah Horkler had a rough game on defense in general he made some nice plays but also had some bad ones Jermaine Samuels took him to the basket a couple times in a row at one point in the second half and that's just tough to watch Um, I actually I have some numbers here for you Joe from when I was going through the, the scores. Yep. This is the number of seconds at a time in the second half that it was a one possession game. After Nate Watson scored a couple times right off the bat, it was a one possession game for 27 seconds. The next time, 10 seconds, 21 seconds, 36 seconds. Then, two and a half minutes. That was the stretch in the middle of the second half where the Friars tied the game. Then... 72 seconds a little over a minute 19 seconds 72 seconds two seconds that right there is the eric dixon play getting behind the press 20 seconds 21 seconds with the last one at 21 seconds that's what ended with the gillespie three-pointer so what you're seeing there is for the most part these aren't even the length of a full shot clock villanova's going down and answering your basket every single time and it just made it so frustrating. Every time the offense got what they needed, Villanova answered immediately.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I listened to the postgame press conference last night when I got home and I got home at like two in the morning, by the way, and I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> but Ed Cooley said, you know, I don't think our offense was the problem because for uh, as, you know, as disciplined as Villanova was offensively, I don't think their defense was anything to write home about, um, but I think they're overly physical on defense, and it's because it's 100% because they get away with it, um, and we, we can do an entire 10-podcast series on the officiating of the Big East and how it kind of turns a blind eye to Villanova players, but I digress. Villanova's defense wasn't anything spectacular. You know, yeah. they only beat us by five. So I think that says more about our offense than it does about our, their defense. But the game in total says so much about our defense. And, Matt, I'm going to hit you with something that I don't think anyone who knows me personally would expect me to say following a loss to Villanova. Providence is the better team. Now, this yeah. is, last night is an isolated incident, right? Providence did not play our brand of defense, and that was on full display for anyone who watched the game on the broadcast, on the stream, in the building. That was not our branded defense. On a night when we're playing our branded defense, we are better than them because we can keep, compete with them offensively.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think, I think Villanova had the better player. I don't necessarily think they are the better team. I think they were better coached that night and I think they executed better. But I don't like I think if you played this game 10 times, each team probably wins 5 times. Yeah. I think I think the Friars are the better team and I think it's by the slimmest of margins. I think they're both really good. And that's yeah. I mean uh, yeah. One of those nights, Villanova came out ready to play. I think Vill- Villanova got the jump on the Friars. Like I said, they got the jump on the Friars in the first minute, and that was in some ways kind of the ballgame. Uh, they were ready to play from the tip, and Providence wasn't.
1: This might chafe Villanova fans, but this game meant more to them than it did to us because for them, it's an upset. For them, it's one of their first top 25 ranked wins of the season. For them, their,
0: This is their first top 10 win of the year. They were zero and three yep. coming into it.
1: For them, it makes it uh, causes them to break even in quadrant one wins. They're now six and six. Before this, they were five and six. So this this win for Villanova means more for them than the loss does for us. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, Colin Gillespie can put up thirty three, and Jay Wright can try and ice free throw shooters by subbing guys in, which was the the. The most bizarre, unclassy thing I've ever seen. All this, all this aside, at the end of the day, when the lights turn off at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and Villanova heads down to Philadelphia for their no parties after the game, Providence is still in first place in the Big East.
0: Exactly. And I want to touch on the bigger picture about the Big East in a second, but I agree with what you said about meaning more for Villanova. Providence... They just won eight in a row for the second time this year. Do you want to know the last time the Friars won nine games in a row? Yes, tell me. It was in the 80s. 1988, to open the season, they won their first 13 games. That team ended up barely making the tournament. They lost in the first round. That's how long it is. It's just that difficult to win that many games in a row. So you win eight in a row twice and at the end of each one of those eight game winning streaks you have a tough defensive performance Marquette 88 points Villanova 89 points again there's a lot worse that you can do so I'll take that As a Friar fan I think if you have again if you've one bad game every nine games you're gonna be all right and I don't even think this is a bad game I think this is an awesome game on offense I think th- I think this is one of the better games the Friars offense played all year despite the fact that they couldn't hit a three uh, and if, we, if we're we going to talk about this Friars offense, you know who we need to talk about? A.J. Watson? Reeves. We're going to talk oh. about Watson. But we talked about how we thought Reeves could be a bucket getter. And well, did we say this half, on, on the podcast?
1: Up, did we say that on the podcast, or was that just in our texts, Matt?
0: That may have been in our text. We were talking about it in the group chat, I know. Uh, but we, we had called that before, we thought. I mean, and I especially when the second half came out, after the way Justin Moore played, my thought process was, all right, Villanova, they're not phased by the environment. If anything, they're heightened by the environment. So the Friars need somebody else who plays the same way when the stakes are that high. And it's Reeves. And he elevated his game in the second half. Easily the best game he's had since coming back from injury.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Uh, I thought offensively he was a spark for us to start the second half. Um, And again, I think this goes to show to the the point that you and I have been making about A.J. Reeves for the past two seasons. And I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. He's not a one-trick pony, you know? We need to stop drawing up three-pointers for him because he can score in a variety of ways. And that was on full display last night. Mm -hmm. He only hit two three-pointers. Got four points from the stripe. Five of nine from the floor. So he was... Providing value to the scoring column aside from three pointers. And that's how you need to utilize that kid. He was driving to the bucket. He was taking Gillespie to the bucket. And I think, you know, when you've got, oh, Gillespie this, Gillespie that, Gillespie defensively wasn't anything to write home about. No. And, and AJ Reeves put that on full display. Um, yep. So, again, when that kid is playing with confidence, I think it, it, it serves us so well with respect to how much our offense flows. Because then when Reeves is scoring, people want to guard him from the perimeter. you got to stay home on him. Opens up looks for, for Watson, Horkler, Croswell, guys in the paint. So, again, <laughs> integral part to the game last night was A.J. Reeves.
0: He had a really nice quickness to him. His first step was explosive in a way we haven't seen from him in a little bit now so it's really good to see that because he's got a he has an awesome size and quickness combination if he can harness it and he's had some issues with control on the ball in the past but he's the kind of guy if he gets downhill he can really make you pay he's big enough he can finish around the rim as long as he doesn't turn the ball over you put him in those spots he's really good so that was awesome to see Nate Watson. They fed him out of the gate in the second half Villanova. I mean, one-on-one we knew this coming in and it yeah. played out just as we thought did not have an answer for him. And yeah, I think one of his better days from the stripe in a while, eight to 12 from the free throw line.
1: Yeah. Uh, Watson uh, also, he was the only player on the team to take more than five free throws. Um, You know, I really would have liked to get Durham at the stripe, especially late. I I think that would have been a difference maker, especially Mm -hmm. as a team. We missed eight free throws and we lost by five. So, again, this is where Ed Cooley always says it's a it's a bounce this way, a free throw that way. But anyway, Watson had a really good game. Um, Six of nine from the floor, eight of 12 from the stripe, 20.6 boards, no turnovers. Eric Dixon. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, this is something that drives me nuts every year. is everyone everyone in the media talks about Villanova's bigs, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Eric Dixon, but you, they talk about them with isolated examples. When Villanova matches up against a team that plays a similar brand of small ball with them, where you have a six eight power forward starting at the five? yeah, you're you' you your undersized big man that's really a small forward, power forward hybrid is going to do well. What happens when you match that hybrid center up with a traditional 6'10", 265 big man? The result is what we saw last night. And there was a lot of pregame hype from Jay Wright. Oh, we're preparing Eric for this. We're preparing Eric for that. Did you prepare Eric to get 20 points dropped on his head? No. And honestly, I think Nate was not used enough in the second half. I think if Nate got fed the ball more, it could have been a 30-point performance for him, and the narrative would have shifted to nate watson dominates uh villanova's bigs but yeah again and we
0: saw we, re- we saw we jermaine re- samuels jermaine samuels went out in foul trouble in the second half and Providence was just not able to take advantage in the paint I, I something else here too for as good as watson was in the paint his size down there really made an impact for the guards as well because we got guys caught into the basket i mean. That's It's something we haven't seen since maybe the Kyron Cartwright days because it's not something Pipkins did quite as much. It's just yep. guards that can cut and get to the rim and take advantage of the attention that the big guy uh, will take. So, yeah, I thought that was awesome. I think Watson, Watson was probably the second-best player in the game behind Colin Gillespie, maybe third-best behind Moore because I think Justin Moore had a, a fantastic game. Uh, he had had a pretty good defensive game too Justin Moore had a block it's not often you're going to see a guard like him he had a double-double, 19 points, 10 rebounds I think this was a game where Villanova heard the noise and they knew like you said, it meant more to them than it did to Providence not that it didn't mean anything to Providence but the Friars were kind of playing with house money and due for a a not perfect game and Villanova had a perfect game (laughs)
1: No, I I mean um the result of the game means more to Villanova. Obviously yes. you look in that you look at that building last night, that me- that game meant the world to the fans and it still does. Oh like, my goodness. I, I, I can sit here and position it differently because with respect to, to our podcast and with respect to what actually happened, it's really not the end of the day. From a fan's perspective, of course I'm devastated. I hate Villanova. Colin Gillespie's a little S H I T. Like I don't want to see him drop thirty three on our floor. But at the end of the day, you have to analyze the facts in front of you without a bias and without a bias, the game meant more to Villanova statistically than it did to Providence because
0: we still sit on top of them in the league standings. Now it's essentially an even race between the two teams over these next couple of weeks for Big East title. Uh, I want to talk about that in a second, but one thing right, there's actually, there's two positive things I want to say about this Providence defense, two things that I thought they did do really well Number one, offensive or sorry, defensive rebounding. They didn't let Villanova get offensive rebounds. Villanova got just seven on the game, three below their season average. And the Friars did that despite playing zone for portions of the game, which we've really we really struggled with stopping St. John's from getting extra looks when we played zone against them. And that, w- that was not the case last night. The Friars were still on the glass, not letting Villanova get second chances all game long, even when they played zone. And when they went to a zone defense, I thought they did a really good job playing it. It's a big reason why they got back into the game so quickly in the second half.
1: Yeah, I, I was pleased when Ed threw the zone out there. Um, I, I think just even aside from this game, when we've pulled the zone out in the second half, it, it tends to throw teams off because they're not really expecting it. It's not something that we do very often. Um, so to your point, Matt, I was really happy that we used the zone. And uh, on your comment about rebounding, I mean that's one of our that's one of our bread and butter. You know. That, that is something that is very specific to this Providence identity, this team specifically, but the program over the past decade has been a really good rebounding program, especially when you've got guys like Horkler, Watson, Durham, Manaya you've got these bigger guys, even Reeves who, who pulls down boards pretty often. I, I thought that rebounding, and that's always something too that Ed Cooley always says, it could come down to a, a rebound, a free throw, a, a loose ball. Rebounding was great last night. You know, mm-hmm. when you're bigger than a team overall, like Providence is bigger than Villanova, you need to take advantage of the size. And I think rebounding is one of the ways to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think, by and large, the hustle, the energy, the effort, they were all there for Providence. They were diving over loose balls. They forced 10 turnovers. This is they've Villanova turned the ball over more often than Providence did, and this is one of the least turnover-prone teams in the entire country. Though the defense was awesome in that regard. They were jumping all over, and Mania had that huge play in the first half getting on a ball. So I loved seeing that. Just one of those nights where the shots were falling for Villanova. And they fell for Providence too, but not as much. That's just—it's tough.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, we we can analyze the stats all we want, I, and I'm sure the coaches, the players are doing the same. From a fan's perspective, it it sucks. You know, um, you get hyped up for the game. You know, everyone makes these extraneous, you know, out of out of the ordinary. Um, situational expectations where you know people are leaving work early your students are skipping class getting in the line going to the dunk early and, and to fall flat like that it, it's you know you're letting the air out of the balloon but yeah. with all that said um we're still on top of Villanova in the standings um and, and you know the the big east regular season title is still up for grabs you know we didn't lose it this would have been a huge step forward for us but but looking ahead you know it's still available and the opportunity is still there for us to take it.
0: Yeah. So I want to, I was going through the numbers earlier to figure out what exactly this race looks like as we finish out the season. And the gist of it is basically this Providence and Villanova each have four more games and they play each other once that's March 1st at the pavilion. If in those four games, each team, if they win the same number of games, Providence, wins the conference for the regular season. So essentially, it's a four-game season right now, and Providence holds the tiebreaker. It's not an actual tiebreaker in terms of standings, but for this stretch, that's what it is. The two teams finish with the same record between now and the end of the regular season, Providence gets that crown. And here's the thing. There's actually a legit shot for Providence to clinch it before they play Villanova because... Villanova they get Georgetown at home this weekend If they lose that I'm going to be shocked But after that They have a trip to UConn They fall there and UConn wins that game And Providence wins the next two When the Friars Host Creighton for senior night With a win their biggest regular season Champions before they even go down To the pavilion That is absolutely still on the table here so this I mean they they still control their destiny the Friars do. Providence wins out, the ship is theirs. And another point, so you know Joe, I know we were kind of assuming, all right, we're going down to the pavilion last week of the season. This is going to be senior night for them. It's not senior night for Villanova. They're senior they're having senior day this weekend against Georgetown because that game is during spring break. It's going to be slightly less crowd i'm guessing not students there it's going to be a different environment than usual so not the typical (laughs) no it's not it's going to be the same matt don't don't you know villanova
1: students don't show up come on
0: (laughs) have you not seen oh fair play fair play well you're you're certainly not going to get a rowdy crowd like there was at the dunk for this game with a big East championship on the line. I I don't think you're going to get that should be a tamer environment. That is for sure. If that game is even for the championship, a lot of basketball to be played between now and then. And one other point, and uh, this is a two part thing. The last time Friars lost at the dunk was to Villanova. Later that season, they went to Villanova and got a win. The last time Providence played a top 10 matchup at the Dunkin Donuts center, they had just played villanova earlier that week at home lost went down to villanova later that season and won so there's there's quite a lot of precedent and i I would not be shocked to see the friars go down there and win in fact the way like what you said i think the friars were proof they're the better team in a lot of ways they just need to fix some things up when it comes to execution they're gonna have a chance to right the ship they absolutely will
1: Matt, the, the bottom-line statement I, I want to leave you with regarding uh, last night's game is it took Villanova's best offensive performance of the season and a new career high for Colin Gillespie to beat Providence by five points on one of Providence's worst defensive nights of the year. Mm-hmm. Let, that, let that sit. It, it took a milestone— the most efficient, best three-point shooting, anything. It took a milestone for Gillespie, the best offensive performance Villanova's produced in conference play this season, and Providence to play their worst defense for Villanova to win by five points. Now, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah,
0: no, and I think that's a great point. And that's something, again, we've seen. You go back to those two examples before when these teams have played each other and Villanova's won at the dunk, 2020 and 2016. In 2020, it was a very close game that Villanova kind of controlled from the tip, but Providence was in to the end. Go back to that game in 2016. I was there with my dad. We went to that game. Villanova opened the game on a 10-0 run. And Providence got back into it so many times and just could not get over the hump. Not that different from what happened last night. This is, I mean, this is a very good Villanova team. They're clearly a top 10 team. I think it was obvious that the Friars are also a top 10 team based on the way that game played out.
1: What I also think is funny, Matt, too, is how the narrative, aside from UConn fans, has shifted um From, you know, Providence is lucky and Providence this to wow, there's a lot of respect for Providence all because we played well with Villanova offensively, you know, um, And again, if if you want to analyze this, you have to remove, you know, UConn fans, Seton Hall fans, Xavier (laughs) fans. You have to remove the trolls and kind of just look at the unbiased, objective opinions. And you'll see, like, the respect for Providence has actually gone up after that loss, which is so odd. Um, Yeah. You'd think people would want to prove us wrong, but
0: yeah. yeah. But it makes sense what what people – I don't know. This is one of the situations. We've seen it before. When the metrics on a team are out of place compared to the win-loss record, a lot of times, eventually what will happen is that team will suffer a devastating loss. They'll lose to a team that they shouldn't be losing to, and it won't be close. And that will kind of reset things. And I think a lot of people expected, all right, this is the test for Providence. In a lot of ways, it's it's not, can you beat Philadelphia? It's, can you play with them? And Villanova had one of the best offensive games. They've had all season long third highest point total. They've scored and The Providence offense scored with them. I mean that's I mean, go back to the preview We had talking about this and about how we expected this to be a low-scoring game and a grind-out game It wasn't at all at no point was this that they know Villanova I think had what 46 points at halftime. And we were saying this game could be in the 50s total and when that's happened in recent history, the game has not been close. When, Villanova, when Providence lets Villanova score, it's just it's a blowout. And the fact that it played out like this, Providence scored with them time and time and time. We could talk about how Villanova was scoring constantly to answer. But the other part of this, what Villanova usually does when the offense is on like this and Gillespie is clicking... They run a team out of the building. We saw them do it to Creighton earlier this year. They do it a couple of times every year. The offense is on the games. So it's a 30-point game. That's just what they do to teams. And the other stat I had mentioned, about two minutes and 20 seconds of this game was spent with the score being seven points or more in differential. Because every time that Villanova started to extend that lead, the Friars got a bucket of their own. When's the last time we saw Friars offense do that? Last night. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jeff.
1: Yeah, no, I kid. Um, No, you're right, Matt. I I mean, if this was last year's Friars team, we would have lost that game by 40 points. Mm -hmm. If it was the year prior. um, Actually, I don't know about that because that team had very similar characteristics to this team offensively.
0: But The, the first half of the season, 2020 Friars are losing this game by 40. Oh, yeah, post-Seton yeah, post Hall game,
1: 2020 Friars will, will will win this game. But anyway, your, your point's well taken. Um, normally, Villanova comes in, shoots the lights out, and, and kicks your teeth in. Um, last night, they tried to do that, but we just we hung around. Um, I, I think in the rematch, you're going to see Providence, a huge uptick in defensive intensity um, and a very healthy dose of Nate Watson because if anything – if there's any offensive takeaway from last night, it's that they can't hang with us in the paint.
0: Yeah, so not at all. You need to you need to run your offense through that man. Mm-hmm. And the fix for what Villanova was doing shooting the ball, it's pretty simple, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to remember this once I start describing it. You know all those times with Khalif Young where there'd be a high ball screen and they'd have him just like run at the shooter full speed and force him away from the basket. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're basically gonna have to start doing that with probably Nate Watson or Horkler or Croswell or one of those forwards so that 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 guy has no space to shoot a three. When you do that, you lose defensive coverage because typically, What happened in this game, if you look at these plays, Watson or Horkler is dropping back. They call it drop coverage. Basically, he's there to make sure that that guard can't take advantage of the size and space and everything that's been created, his quickness advantage, to drive to the basket, and also to make sure that the screener can't roll and get to the basket. So they're going to lose that aspect. To counter that, Villanova's going to try to get balls into that lane, try to pass it, and... The Friars' response to that is going to be to bring one of their defenders in from the wing to rotate over and help. And what that's going to leave is somebody open in the corners. Jermaine Samuels, Brendan Slater, Eric Dixon, whoever they've got out there, one of those forwards is going to be open in the corner for three. You hate to give open threes to Villanova, but you'd much rather it be one of those guys than Gillespie or Moore after what we saw last night. I'll take my chances with getting beat by one of those guys.
1: Yeah, especially like Samuels, who I think is probably one of the most overrated players in the country. The fact that he's on the small forward watch list is like a joke. He, he Listen, he's a tough player and he plays hard, but I, I don't think he, he's he's any better than any other small forward in, in the Big East Conference. I think he does his job and he does it well. Does that mean that you get a reward for it? No. Noah Horkler does his job, and he does it well, and he's not on any watch lists.
0: And, and uh, I, I said this over on the Big East Coast Bias Pop, and I put this on Twitter too. Noah Horkler should be at least, in, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be an honorable mention, but he should be talked about for first or second team all Big East. He's probably the best rebounder in the conference, one of the better three-point shooters in the conference, and just an Ironman. He plays like every minute of every game
1: yeah Uh, he had an off night last night i i think he could have been a difference maker too um seven and seven not terrible you know not the 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 scoring that you're used to seeing from him um rebounding was right on par i think a, a a board and a half below average if that's correct if that hasn't yep. changed but you know the, uh, on par for him i would have liked to see him score more i think you know you get him to stretch the floor a little bit i just i i, I can nitpick this game till i'm blue in the face but at the end of the day what happened happened you got to move on from it it's not a season ending victory uh season ending loss excuse me but you know the sense of urgency has to go up this sunday at hinkle Fieldhouse house if Providence the Providence Friars hope to win a Big East regular season title
0: um, yeah and mind you this is a Butler team that they've won a couple in a row now we're going to preview this separately but just to kind of give you a taste Ballers won their last two games They won at DePaul that was also last night I did not get to watch any of that game so I'm going to have to do my research on that after this and they beat Marquette and they beat Marquette pretty I mean, they pretty consistently pretty thoroughly through all game long on yeah. Saturday. So you can't, you can't sleep on Butler. This is, and they, they gave Providence a game at the dunk this year too. They did.
1: Um, I think we, I think Butler is a tougher matchup for us. Um, and listen, I, I've been singing Butler's praises since the preseason. I think they return a lot of veterans and a lot of talent. Um, The way they've performed in conference play is actually kind of shocking. Again, I don't want to delve too deep into it because I know we're already pretty deep into this one. And we're going to do a separate pregame report for that. But, you know, you can't go in there, you know, licking your wounds from what happened last night. You have to go in there and kick Butler's teeth. in. if you can replicate what you did to Georgetown uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse, I think that's best case scenario. Um, Yeah. But again, we'll see what happens on Sunday. We're going to preview that separately, so I don't want to get into it too deep.
0: Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good one. Um, just a couple other uh, bits and pieces. Looking through the stats as we wrap up here, Reeves and Bynum combined four of ten from deep. Everybody else one for thirteen. So that's Durham zero for five, Horkler, one for three, Manaya zero for three, Breed zero for two. A lot of those were open looks too the game is different if one or two of those shots fall flip side yeah. Villanova this is interesting they had one of their worst free throw shooting percentages of the gear it wasn't terrible they were 20 of 26 and half of those misses came from Eric Dixon <laughs> yeah he was he was two for five from the line but yeah it's just when you play Villanova again Expect them to hit two or three more free throws than they did They're probably not gonna miss six the next time you play them That that's an adjustment you'll have to make again offensive rebounding was huge now the team passed the ball that well the assist numbers were pretty much Average nine for each team the Friars made 30 shots Villanova made 29 shots So I mean that's kind of a not a a massive factor Villanova did have six steals I think that's something Providence guards are going to have to watch out for. In the next game, they got caught from behind a couple of times. I'm sure, I'm sure you, you saw this. A handful of times they got caught from behind, and everybody in the building could see it coming but Al Durham or Jared Bynum or whoever had the ball. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the,
1: it's, a, it's a clean play, but it's like you just hate to see it. Um and with respect to free throws, too, this was not one of our best free throw shooting nights. We left eight points at the stripe um, in a game that we lost by five. Um, Justin Moore got us chicken because he missed two of uh, three. But if you miss back to back, you get chicken regardless. So
0: yeah, I'm a little jealous. I, you got chicken over there.
1: I didn't. I didn't cash yeah, it. In, not at two o'clock in the morning. But yeah, yeah, I could build um, that. But again, you know. At the end of the day, what happened happened. Um, if you breathe on Colin Gillespie, he goes to the line, which is a cool thing. Um, I didn't know that offic- that games were officiated like that, but hey, <laughs> wish I was him. Wish someone yeah. would breathe on me and get me free throws.
0: No, yeah. Gillespie. I mean, he had. I, this is. I gotta tip my my hat to him because that was one of the better individual performances I've seen in a while. If you're gonna lose at home. And it's because I mean it's if Gillespie, if Gillespie beats you, Gillespie beats you. So that sometimes that's just gonna happen. He's gonna go, he's gonna go off like that. Thirty-three points, career high. Eight of eight from the free throw line. There is a rumor I heard, Joe, and I cannot confirm this. I'm trying to confirm it. I reached out to a couple of people. Somebody on Reddit was saying that Gillespie's girlfriend broke up with him earlier this week or last week or whatever. I, w-
1: I wonder why. <laughs> for, for anyone who knows me outside the podcast, you know why I, I'm glowing right now. I wonder why she broke up with him. Yeah, he
0: seemed like a really loyal guy. Really yeah, loyal. I can't I can't confirm anything. They still like follow each other on social media. They have posts up together. It's one guy on Reddit that says that said this. So it means very little. But if it did happen. All right. That's if you get if you get beat by a guy who's essentially having a revenge game like that, too. It happens. As far as I'm concerned, it sucks to lose this one game, but it is just one game. In the bigger picture, the Friars are still absolutely all right. And given the way they played, I don't think you're going to get dropped too much in the AP poll for this. As long as you handle Butler on Sunday, Monday, you're still a top 15 team. I don't know. You're probably not still top 10. Maybe you are. Maybe they, I, I see a scenario where they switch Providence and Villanova. But Yeah, I could you see pro- that too. You're probably in the 11 to 15 range if I had to guess, and there's there's no shame in that. You're going to get another shot to get into the top. Well, first of all, if you drop to 11 with some with wins next week, then you're right back into the top 10 as long as somebody loses, and you're going to have that other shot at Villanova. So that'll be, I mean, it could be for the conference. We'll see what happens there, but yeah, tough loss. I'm in good spirits despite it. I'm in, I'm surprised at how good I feel. At this point, I would have figured I'd be devastated based on the expectations coming in.
1: I I mean, I'm in better spirits now after you told me that comment. Um, You know (laughs) why, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because I don't know if it's true, but sources have told me that Colin Gillespie is not the most honest of um, partners. So we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Hope the breakup doesn't hurt too bad. Enjoy the 33 points. Um, Yeah, but as it pertains to the game itself, I mean, I'm still... I'll be over it by tonight, but, you know, it's it just from a fan's perspective, it sucks. You know, a lot of anticipation going into that one. But at the end of the day, the, the game reveals a lot. Um, and, you know, just hopefully next time around, you know, you can iron out some defensive kinks. But most important piece of business is taking care of Butler on Sunday.
0: Yeah. Friars have three games in a row that they should win. They'll be favored in. Got to take care of business in each each and every one of them. That's the method right now. You can't—it's a message. You can't mess it up. If you lose—if you lose to Nova twice, but win the rest of your games, your worst case second in the Big East, and uh, I'll take that in a heartbeat. So, yeah, I, I'm gonna leave you with one last thing, Joey. This is probably gonna miss you because this is a Patriots reference. But I said this in the chat last night, and just a little piece of optimism for people. I'm gonna take you back to 2001. Patriots that year played the St. Louis Rams in the regular season. This is the the most like the, the biggest hype team ever and the game was super The Patriots didn't win but they played with them all game long Patriots would go on to beat them in the Super Bowl this year they later said that the fact that they played them so close at home was kind of what gave them the confidence they played the team and they knew all right we can play with them there's no like we're on the same level we got to make adjustments we got to tweak things but we're not far off and we can get them and I think if you're a Providence player You probably have a similar feeling after this one, you know, you can get them You just got to clean things up and they're gonna get that next shot. So March 1st. That's the date mark your calendars But we've got a lot of basketball between now and then make sure you're right here with us for all that basketball We're not going away We're gonna have a lot of coverage for you over the next couple weeks and we can confirm Joe and I will be at the Big East tournament Yeah, oh, yeah run it back Oh man, it's gonna be fantastic. It'll be our first time there since 2020. Very excited to do that. We'll bring you some coverage from there, but for now, you're gonna hear us next time previewing the Butler game. I'm Matt St. Jean. This is Joe Howie with me. Thank you very much for listening. Please go rate us if you like us. If you don't like us, don't don't rate us. You can just keep scrolling. Don't worry about it. You don't have to listen to us. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Go friars.